for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. So, you know when you get the, the thumbs up emoji from somebody, you ask somebody something, or I'm gonna, I'll be here, I'll do this, or I think that, <laughs> and then somebody just gives you the thumbs up emoji. Here's how I translate that, is... Okay, we're done. That sounds good. Okay, all right. This this conversation has gone on long enough. Whatever. Like we're we're like it's a nice passive aggressive way of saying okay. Let's let's end this. Is that how you is that how you feel about it, or am I being too paranoid? Maybe a little too paranoid. I mean, it depends on the conversation, obviously. But you know, but no, it just means got it. I, I got it. Whatever you're saying, like, I got it. Well, okay, I'm good with that. But not that I'm necessarily done. Uh, wait a second. You're not mad, Zimmer. You're not mad, are you? <laughs> Matt got a big tan. Uh, no, this is uh, this is Andre Fields. In from, we thought Matt might be here today. And actually, I got the uh, uh, thumbs up from Matt last night talking about getting this thing cranked up today with Andre Fields uh, because the, Matt's on jury duty is Yikes. why he can't do it this week. And Yikes. so uh, he said he, he was doing jury duty this morning and he didn't say he couldn't be here. Obviously he's not. Uh, but last night, you know, I told him, hey, uh, Andre will be here. So either he'll be the guest host or the guest, one or the other. Uh, perfect time to do this with Andre anyway, with USD, you know, popping up and yep, uh, yep. about the best football they've played since, what, they went to the national title game in 1985? And uh, you remember that, don't you? And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and Michigan, you're a big Michigan fan and a Harbaugh yes, fan. We yes. just did the state football championships together. So, so I said, yeah, this will be a perfect time for Andre to come whether you get here or not. And then Zimmer just gave me the thumbs up. There you go. So he was like, okay, good. I'm good. Whatever you say, dude, yep. basically, was uh, what was that all about? So it's good to have you here. Thanks for, Appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Um, I know some Coyote fans are very excited. And uh, the, the thing, you know, we, we've gotten to know each other just a little bit. But the I, how did you get here? Like, you came from Chicago to play football for the South Dakota Coyotes in, what, 1995? Right. Correct. How did that happen? Well, it's a, it's a very... Interesting story that I've, I've actually told a couple times, but this audience may not have heard it. So, from Chicago, as you mentioned, came to play for the Coyotes, and I was recruited by a defensive backs coach at the time named uh, Fred Reed. He was the DB coach for USD. He was recruiting my area because that was the same area he was from. He actually grew up in the same south suburb that I did. Uh, went to a rival high school so he was obviously recruiting back home uh, recruited me uh, I was basically what it boiled down to for me was Nebraska Omaha or USD um, it kind of you know those were kind of my two finalists that I was debating and obviously chose USD show up on campus in August ready for camp uh, we do the whole check-in thing, you know, the, the the freshman 
report usually I would assume this happens at every school but the freshman report a day or two before the upperclassmen okay kind of get acclimated and all of that type of thing so we uh we report show up we do this big uh, meeting with all of us incoming freshmen and coaches are sitting there you know basically giving us the lay of the land and everything else so at the end of the meeting coach Denny Crehan that was my USD head coach uh, Crehan says well wh where's Andre Fields and I raise my hand you know he's like well I want to speak to you after this so just stick around I'm like okay so they dismiss us you know go get checked in at the dorms etc we go my father and I go to uh, coach Crehan's office and uh, he's like yeah I just wanted to get you guys in here and, and let you know that you know coach Fred Reed the um, reason why he's not here is because he actually, he's left. He took a different job. And it happened only like two weeks ago. So we did, you know, that's why you hadn't heard about it, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, but we understand if you want to talk. You know, basically they were kind of seeing like, well, <laughs> this is the way we heard it. We didn't want to tell you that he left because it was only two weeks before camp and we really wanted you to not decide to not come. Right? Um, so... But now that you're here, we're telling you. So that's how I took it. But anyway, at that point, I was I was there. I wasn't, you know, I was like, okay with it. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, who's the new DB coach, you know? And then I was like, so just out of curiosity, where did Coach Reed take the job? He's like, uh, he's coaching at Nebraska-Omaha. Like, head, was he really? head coach? Uh, nope, defensive backs coach. Okay. Yep, defensive backs coach. He eventually, like, moved his way up into coordinator. And he actually went on to have a very successful coaching career. Um, coached at a bunch of different D1s. Coached for the Detroit Lions okay. a little bit. Um, and then, tragically, had you know, suddenly passed away uh, from a heart attack a couple of years back. So, it was, it was a bad deal. But... Um, but yeah, so he had coached at Nebraska Omaha. He went, he left USD <laughs> to go there, and choice. he had talked me out of going there r really well, you know. So he's a, he was a good. Sales. What was the hook? What why did he, how did he was it the dome or what pried you uh, away from? It was a little bit that UNO. So the the difference maker for me was was twofold. One was this was 1995 UNO, so they didn't have on campus dormitories. Um, oh yeah. So they were still kind of commuter-ish, you know, oh, type of school. Okay. No, it was a commuter <laughs> school. Under I grew up six blocks away from okay. Nebraska Omaha, and so for those of us who grew up in Omaha, I hate to say it, but the nickname of Nebraska Omaha, and it's not the case now. They're a real college. It's they've right. got a whole new campus there, basically. Uh, it was the Dodge Street Daycare Center? Okay, because it was <laughs> a commuter school. You stayed at home, and it wasn't exactly the uh, at the time like the most prestigious uh, degree. Right. So, yeah. Well, so. there you go. So <laughs> and, and, and so I was like, well, I don't want to really. <laughs> When we visited, zero on-campus housing. Yeah, wow. exactly. So when we visited, it was like this duplex or you know fourplex that yeah. they housed guys in, and and it was kind of cool in a sense because like oh you're in an apartment, you know, not a dorm, and a, but it it obviously my trip <laughs> the guys weren't the most cleanly, you know, it was like just. <laughs> It was a frat house atmosphere yeah. type of thing. And I'm like, I don't know if I want I kind of wanted the traditional You wanted a campus. Experience. Yes. And so, okay. um, you know, I had, like, I visioned, if you remember the movie, The Program, yeah. that came out. Like, I remember, I'm seeing what he saw. Like, I'm, I want to walk across 
the quad and see the buildings and the lead, you know, and, and USD actually kind of had that. Of course. And then the other thing was at that particular time, um, Omaha was at the bottom of the conference and USD was hovering in the middle for several years and they had just come off an eight and three season the year before I got there. And they, you know, and a lot of the starters were back. So it was kind of like, hey, we're about to turn the corner. You can help us then keep it going. And I was like, yeah, I want to be on a winner. I don't want to go on a team that's one win, two win, you know, that Omaha. And that's what Reed had pointed out. Like he sent me literally like a stack of Xerox copied or photocopied uh, standings and articles about <laughs> how bad UNO football was. Oh, you're showing your age, Andre. And then Xerox he came copies. back, you know, and then he Sending ended up going the mail? there. Well, he sent me that in the mail. Yeah, in yeah. Manila envelope, you know, uh, like certified, so I had to sign for it. Like, and here it is. Like, he highlighted everything. I was like, wow. <laughs> so I say he did a really good job of selling it. it well, uh, of course, you know, people who also follow that era also know that that was 1995, 96. They were freaking conference champions. Omaha was. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and like 98, they yeah. won it again. Like they 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 became really good really fast. Because Pat Barons was the name. He was the yep. coach, and he yeah he 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 turned them around. They were dead for a while. I remember that now. So how would you describe your time at USD? Like those four years, your time. I mean. Uh, football wise or life wise like your experience and how different it seems like football or life is there now uh i loved it obviously i had it this is the late 90s correct and i enjoyed my college experience i'd go back and do it again i think part of it is the people you know like some of my friends they're still my best friends today um which mm. they all are <laughs> they all live in Omaha so it's funny that okay and, uh, we we talked about that before like that's kind of my cluster connection and everything else but um uh, it was Cluster a great chance the yeah. former Husker yeah. uh, football players and national title wing back of course his son played for SDSU exactly so yeah. he that's uh and we're we're good friends now so that's the kind of the yeah. connection but anyway um I loved it. I had a great experience. Obviously, now it's, the campus is not the campus that I went to. You know, the school is not the school that I went to. That's what I always say. Like, yeah, I didn't go to that USD. I go. I went to the old one. Um, but and you didn't I played this Dakota Dome. You played in that Dakota Dome. Exactly. Yep, with the bleachers. You know, the the high school bleachers on one side, mm-hmm. and uh, the the old carpet that. If you went in one direction, you slid. If you went the other direction, you just came to a halt because it got burnt up. Oh, know? wow. So, yeah, really? that was the – yeah. Okay. Favorite USD memory. And then we'll, then we'll get into modern times here. My favorite USD football memory yeah. would be – I actually have two of them. So, the first one is beating Northern Colorado at, at USD – uh, we beat Northern Colorado the season that they went that they won their first national championship. Wow! Okay. And uh, we beat them. We beat them. You know, it was it wasn't by much, but it wasn't by little. <laughs> I think we maybe seven or ten point victory. Um, but I do remember it was really good game. They were obviously an undefeated team when we beat them, and when Joe Glenn, who ended up of course coming back to USD as the yeah. head coach, when he was. Uh, when they were on TV at the national championship game, for some reason, just a feather in our cap, little one of those funny moments. But when we were, when he was on TV for that game, he said, "Well, the turning point in our season was the loss at South Dakota." 
And it was just like that just cemented it for all of us that played in that game. Like, yeah, you know, that was, that was a big moment. The other moment for me would have been the 1997 D-Days game because we played South Dakota State. And we played them at 6.30 p.m. On D-Days. Wow. So I don't know what what got into our athletic director. <laughs> but we appreciate it because <laughs> there was yeah. two, two games a year that filled the dome. Homecoming, state. Mm-hmm. Right now, obviously, you play state every other year at home. So, But homecoming, state, you knew the dome was going to be absolutely packed. Now you put those two together. Oh my gosh! And then you make it a night game? Are you kidding me? At first we were worried because we like, there's no students gonna make this game. They'll be done. <laughs> They'll be done. I know. Long before six thirty yeah. rolls around, you know. And so, uh, but oh man, we came. We they were to the tunnel, and we could see people standing along the wall of the end zone of where the tunnel we were coming out of for the entrances. And I remember just being like, "You got to be kidding me! Like if it's packed like this." And sure enough, it was, and it was hot, and oh, that was just a great game. Of course, we won it, was, so that made, that's what made it better. Of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, had you, when you were in Chicago, like, had you, the old joke about South Dakota, whenever anybody comes in here from somewhere else, is I had never heard of it. I couldn't point it out on the map. I was like, South Dakota, what? Like, did you did you come in with an open mind, or did, or were you kind of like, you know, you're, you're a Chicago kid, like, yeah, South so Dakota, really? No, my no, story... I mean, my story actually gets deeper, right? So, okay. And we have time. Let's go through We this. do. Let's go into that. We do. So my mom passed away when I was eight years old. Eight years old, my mom passed away. She died from cancer. She had brain cancer. Wow. Um, but she knew or the family knew that that was the scenario, the, the end game, when I was right before my seventh birthday. So a year earlier, a year prior. So, I don't know what actually went into the full decision. Um, I was told certain things, but I'm not sure if those were just what they were telling me, you know. But the story that I have been, that I've known all these years is that moms wanted to accomplish some things before she checked out. And one of them was to, like, finish her nursing degree. And so, she wanted me to go and stay with my great aunt and uncle because they just had a real family dynamic right husband wife two care two girls um wanted me to go stay with my great aunt and uncle thank you Susie. Yeah. uh so so she could pursue that full time and then eventually i would come back that was the plan or at least that's what i was told it might have been like hey go live with them they're gonna give you a great life type of thing but my uncle was stationed at ellsworth air force base in rapid city so I did third grade in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I remember even asking some of my uh, USD teammate, uh, college mates that were from Rapid City. I'm like, so I don't know the name of this elementary school, but I know it was like an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school were like all pretty much right next to each other. And that's where I went to school. And I, from what I've been told, I think it was Douglas High School. Oh, okay, yeah. That's out by the Air Force Base. That would make sense. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Douglas is, I went, whatever the elementary school is next to Douglas, that's where I went. Okay. All right. So, when I got recruited to South Dakota, I remember, you know, <laughs> hey, this is Coach Reed, University of South Dakota. And I'm like, huh. I'm like, is that located in Rapid City? Because obviously that's the only city I knew. And he was like, no, actually it's complete opposite of yep. Rapid City on the other side of the other border, you know, away from 
you know Mount Rushmore and all that and I'm like uh okay so my first initial thought was like ooh I don't know because it's got to be small because in my mind of course I didn't know any better I'm like Rapid City's the biggest city it's got Mount Rushmore and all yeah. the tourist attractions is and then of course he schooled me onto Sioux Falls being actually the biggest city in the state and this that and the other and so then, how did he describe Vermilion to you <laughs> As or did he just let you wait until you got there? A little bit of both. <laughs> it was a little bit of both, right? It was like, oh, Vermilion's just outside of Sioux Falls. You know, it's <laughs> this is that other. So Kinda. I, right? So I fly into Sioux Falls. And I don't know if this was all planned, but it's divine. It's a great story. I fly into Sioux Falls. We take, because, of course, knowing the, knowing the land, lay of the land now, right? We took... Is that meant? We took Minnesota. So, exited the airport, drove all the way down Minnesota to 41st Street, then all the way down 41st Street and got on I 29. We could have got on I 29 a whole lot of different places rather than driving <laughs> from the airport all the way down Minnesota to 41st. So, they were basically giving me the scenic route, right? Of course. So, I'm driving through town and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, this is this, just like being in the city. This no, this is nothing. This is the same. I'm I mean, good. Yes. You know, I'm noticing all the stores that I recognize. Oh, where's Walgreens right there? And, you know, <laughs> and, and probably there it wasn't worth the two or three block detour down to Phillips Avenue with how lovely Phillips Avenue is right now. I'm guessing, as far as I know, the mid '90s, all the action in Sioux Falls was out by the mall, and downtown was kind of right. a ghost town. So, so this, I mean, to this day, Minnesota. I mean, that's a generic strip of. But they were kind of like, hey, there's a city here. Do you think that was yeah. the point? It had to be, right? It had to be. <laughs> okay. Either that or just, or the cab driver was just trying to get it more fair, you know? Okay. Like, it, whatever. It was one of the two. All right. So you take Minnesota all the way to 229 to 29 or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Minnesota to 41st. Oh, 41st. 41st. To okay. All right. Now we start heading south <laughs> and. And we keep going and going and going. <laughs> and now I'm starting to think, you know, like 25, 30 minutes in, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is this is not right outside of Sioux Falls. Like, now I'm getting nervous because there's nothing. It's rural, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> cornfields yeah. and stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. Well, there's the sign. University of South Dakota, next exit, all of that. I'm like, cool, all right, we're here. You know, there's six miles between yeah. I-29 and actually Vermilion. When are we going to so, get here? Oh, now I'm really scared. <laughs> now I'm like, nah, this ain't what I signed up. You know, I this, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, <laughs> Okay, I thought it was might be a little rural, but this is way more than I can bargain for. Then, of course, you get into town. And, again, I was a little concerned because... They gave us a tour of Vermilion. It lasted five minutes. You know, I'm like, oh wow, it's this is not big. This is small. It's like the smallest. <laughs> well, it was Division Two at the time, but it's like, yep. uh, it's like the smallest Division One college town, probably out of 330 uh, for you know for Man. basketball when you go D1 that way. But, so I was uh, like, yeah, I don't know. But then of course I ended up having a good visit, a good time, um, and then I told you the story between, you know, what it came down to for yeah. me. So I ended up coming to South Dakota, and then it was actually all right. It's, well, been, what a, it's been good. Well, what a coup because, I mean, Omaha at least was probably – I mean, you did a tour of Omaha, didn't you? Yeah. That was definitely much more of a city. Yeah, uh, exactly. It wasn't Chicago, but it was definitely more of a city. Probably You probably would have felt more at home there. But uh, yep. Yep. That, that Omaha's loss was South Dakota's gain. And then uh, I do want to jump into 2023, but the time machine is 
is fun here. Uh, but what kept you here? Was it the storm? I mean, because you, well, you graduated in 99. What kept Andre Fields here? So after I graduated, I actually went and played my first year of indoor football with Sioux City. And I moved mm-hmm. to Sioux City, lived in which, Sioux City. Which actually is closer to Sioux Falls than uh, <laughs> to Vermilion than Sioux Falls is. Yep. And so I lived in Sioux City. And then after that, um, I was having my wife. Now, obviously, then she was my girlfriend, but we were expecting my first child. And I was like, okay, I'm going to move home, get a job, just become her dad and start the second part of life. You know, like, all right, let's start real life. So we did that, basically. Uh, We moved to Chicago right after Shalia was born. Um, and then we were there for about 18 months and things just really weren't working out the way we had expected. It wasn't the picture we had in our mind wasn't coming into fruition. Uh, we didn't really like the area we were living in. And so just all of those factors were just like, ah, we, sh- we got to move. Right. But at that particular time, I was also still trying to find like a real job. I was working, but I wasn't working something that I, you know, I was working something that a high school kid could do mm-hmm. you know and i hear i'm mm-hmm. here with a degree and i've interviewed a million times so like we got to get out of here and my mother-in-law liz's mom was like well move back you know because i got this house to myself because she had just gotten divorced etc and i'm like well i can't afford to just up and move like we got a whole house full of stuff the same stuff that we drove here <laughs> we'd have to drive back you mm. know and she's like well I can help that if you're serious. You know, I can help with all that. And so I'm like, well, if you're serious, then we're serious. And so anyway, we moved back to Sioux Falls. Best move, obviously, we could make because cost of living is cheaper. There was a lot more opportunity, surprisingly enough. There's a lot more opportunity for work. Um, so when I came in, came back, it was that was around October of 2000. 2000. That was October of two. No. Excuse me. That was October 2003. Okay. And so uh, October 2003, and immediately when I got back, all my buddies that were still around, they were playing football, some with the Storm, some with Sioux City. Well, I'm in Sioux Falls, and so I'm like, well, I want to start playing again. Like, I'm not done, you know, my physically. And if you guys are still doing it, I know I can do it. And so reached out to the Storm, and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll – give you a shot and, and see what happens and ironically enough that's kind of also where the story changed because i got signed by mike aldridge who had just been named the head coach and were they the cobras then they, they had already transitioned to okay. the storm yeah um it was it they, it was the second year of what would have been the storm all right and aldridge had just get, became the head coach but he also then like a few months later got a job working at louisville and him being a football coach, yeah. he was like, I got to take that. So he leaves to go to Louisville, and that's when they promoted Curtis to head coach because Curtis was technically the OC at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. And so Curtis calls me, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's the one that tells me all this. Like, yeah, Mike's going to Louisville, and I just got promoted to head coach, and you know, but nothing's going to change. We're still going to bring you in and all of this stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. And, yeah, that's there it the is. story. <laughs> and, and what was the last year you played? Oh, uh, oh nine, oh nine. Yep. So you got to be on the first four championship teams. Correct. And then which of the cha- and then which years did you coach or have you coached? Ten. Well, I know you've gotten in and out. Yeah. So basically, ten through twenty-three. 
Oh, with okay. The, with the exception of, I think, four years. So you played on the first four, coached on the next, and coached on the other seven? Correct. Wow. Uh, there, no, so I didn't coach in 12 and 13. Okay. So those two championships I didn't get. So you were only a part of nine titles. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But I, yeah. I am looking forward to fill up both hands <laughs> in 2024. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you've been just as much of almost – just as much of a part of Storm history and a part of the fabric of it as Curtis Riggs has, and you take over for him as head coach. I think most people by now have, have realized that, and congratulations. Thank I know you. before we came here today to do a little lunchtime podcast, you're trying to recruit some yes. dudes, and uh, <laughs> you're you're experiencing what Curtis would probably describe as kind of the pain part painful. <laughs> yes, and I'm sure he's probably hearing, if he's hearing this, he's laughing and smiling somewhere well, right now. He's like, already, yeah, better, well, yeah. better you than me. He's already mentioned how he's still <laughs> His life is a little bit less complex now that he's not coaching the Storm, and he's basically just calling high school and uh, SDSU games. And, uh, you know, there might be something for him down the road here in a month or two. But for now, he says, yeah, my 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 phone still blows up because people still think I'm the coach of the Storm, and it gives me great pleasure to tell them, especially he likes the people who call him. Most people, you know, would prefer a text Text, to take care of things quicker. (laughs) He actually likes getting the calls and stopping people dead in their tracks after about a minute or two. Hey, hey, I'm either, I'm this guy or I got this guy. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, what you need to do is you need to call Andre Fields, and you can just dump all that on him. So, but... Tell me, dump me some more. That's right. Dump me some more old linemen. Some linemen. All right, so... uh, by the way, congratulations. You've been doing broadcast for USD on Midco for 10 years now. It just came up uh, on 12. 10. 12, okay. We just finished our 12th season. Well, you and, that's been, crazy. You and Jay Elson the whole time? The whole time. Uh, that's pretty sweet, just to be able to, A, have a good, solid job, a gig like that, and do it with the same person. Yep. That is that is wonderful. And would you, would you say this is the best it's ever been? Like, it's technically at 9-1. and one. Uh, yes. Ranked in the top yes. five or ten, depending on the poll you're looking at. Chance at a playoff seed. There was, I mean, the Straveler year was magical. Correct. But uh, this is something else. Does it feel like it came out of nowhere to you, or I mean, what do you, what do you make of this? We, I mean, we had Bob Nielsen on a, on a quasi hot seat last year, the right. AD leaving, and what's going to happen <laughs> with Bob, and where's this program headed? And you know, they won with three games. I know they had a tough schedule, but. And all of a sudden, boom! I mean, what do you make of all this? You've actually been watching all of it unfold. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you're obviously, as a fan, glad to see it. But you kind of, you know, if you were an insider or if you paid really close attention, you saw it coming. But at the same time, we've seen it coming before and it didn't come into fruition. So to see it actually manifest has been exciting. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's been plenty of years where the Coyotes were young. And because of their youth, they couldn't, you know, get over that hump, so to speak. And every, every at the end of every year, everybody would be like, whoa, 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 what do the Coyotes got to do? What do we got to do? It was like, well, they just got to grow up. You know, they just got to keep the guys that they have and and grow up and they'll be fine. And then you'll get to some of those years and they'll be good, but not quite good enough you know or they'll drop some games that keep them out of the hunt type of thing and uh so this year what you've seen is really just a maturation process in my opinion and these guys actually finally have grown up and they're making the plays that that 
you expect them to make when you recruit them, you know, and that type of thing. And and they're and they've gotten over that hump, and they've started to compete up front because it's always up front at these higher levels. Um, <laughs> which is again why Storm took bowl line. Uh, yeah, it's always up front, and the size difference and the ability in big men has really been the key to I think like the North Dakota State run, the South Dakota State run. Um, they had those guys up front where for a long time USD couldn't compete with that. We just couldn't do it, whether it was through injury or just not big enough or you just don't have the right guys in the spots. Uh, we couldn't compete. Um, skill positions, they translate. And so there's definitely guys, there's always been skilled players, but this year you're finally starting to see them put both units together and it's met, you know, and it's manifested in, in wins on the scoreboard. Right, and this is both sides of the ball, but you're you're speaking of offense. I mean, how big of a difference has it appeared that Josh Davis has made, or is it more so the quarterback? What's what's? And I realize it's actually the Yotes have actually mostly been winning a little more defense uh, when, they, when they've scored these big wins. Yeah, that's especially that's, that's on Saturday against it. North Dakota. Uh, you know, definitely been refreshing for Josh to come in and take over the OC role. Um, because, again, there were a lot of the same guys around, except for maybe Bauman. Of course, he you know, came in at the end of last season. But um, there were a lot of guys around. There was a lot of turmoil on that whole transition from Slavki to Nielsen, you know, and now to yeah. Davis. So, really, what they did was they solidified that side of it, and I think that helped. And then, of course, Aiden Bauman's skill set, just the ability to throw the football, huge, strong arm. He's not – a runner, but he's still elusive enough to to keep plays alive in the pocket while he's still keeping his eyes downfield. And then, of course, the run game, again, has been something that they've leaned on heavily in the first half of the season, and that comes back to the big guys up front being able to create space for those guys. Are you a big personality of your quarterback is a big part of the personality of the offense kind of guy? Does that matter to you? Um... Yes, I think you do have to have that type of guy. But I'm also I also like the personality of somebody who's even keeled. I like the even keel guy. Um, well, that could make your offense even keel. Uh, you know, it, it perhaps could, right? if, if it does permeate. What what's what is Aiden? What's your understanding? I think is he's very even keel. That's how I would describe him. I, okay. I saw Carson Camp as more um, fiery. Yeah, kind of. You know, if things are going good he's fired up and he's good if things are going bad he can get a little fired up in in a in a negative way like you can see that body language where with Aiden you really don't know if we're winning or losing type of thing and I kind of like that in a quarterback um that's just my preference I like that guy who's you don't know <laughs> you don't know if they're up to you know up two scores or they're down two scores they just kind of keep going about their business um I'm not a Vikings fan but I think uh I, I like Kirk Cousins, um, and I like him because of that. It's just yeah. like, what's the play executed? Like, doesn't matter if we're winning, we're losing, whatever. Just go out and make the play, you know? Right. Okay. Input in, output out. Um, this, uh, we could, let's put Southern Illinois and UND into a bundle here because 
The Yotes were flying high, 7-0 with this SDSU game, trying to get college game day there. Biggest game in the history of this whole entire rivalry. The two programs had not been that good together at the same time ever, and they're doing it now at a higher level. And it, the air went out of the balloon in the second quarter, basically, and it was uh, trouncing, and then you're looking at a pair of top ten games at Southern Illinois and at UND, and I think of a lot of people figured... Uh, they were at least going to fall apart at Southern Illinois and just have the hangover effect because it's on the road and it's a good opponent. And then, yeah, UND, they might bounce back, but who knows? Uh, you've been a part of enough football seasons that perhaps that kind of SDSU bruise could just stay there and things unravel. Mm -hmm. So what's been, how, what's been your impressions, and what have you been impressed by these last two games? Well, you kind of alluded to it in the first question. I think the biggest thing is your defense is lights out. Like, that is the, the main element of their success this year, and I think no one that really pays attention would deny that. Like, they've been, they've been winning games because of defense, and when I say that, it's not just like defense is scoring and everything, but the defense is holding offenses down enough that USD has a chance to put up points. And if you can win a game, you know, if you can only give up 10 points, really only three, because seven of them last week came from an opening kickoff return, and your offense struggles for three and a half quarters, so be it. As long as they get it together by the end of the game and they put up a couple points to give you the win. So, yes, that defense has been lights out. Um, you know the un the un what the 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 secret right now I guess for Yo fans is like oh we're having such a great year. I hope they don't take Travis, Travis Johansson being the defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know you know that's been kind of some rumors among USD fans are like oh I hope they because he's had a good defense for a few years now and he's pumped out some good players you know a couple pros and it's like somebody's gonna come ask him you know and and throw some money at him so that's to me uh where the southern illinois especially i mean you 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 basically shut them out until the very end of the game mm -hmm. and then you then you still bounce back enough to win the game for usd that's their key. That's their bread and butter right now, especially with the run game down. Because in the beginning of the season, they Yos were running the ball, so it made the offense click either yeah. way. Teams kind of figured that out. Like, oh, you guys like a three-headed monster, and you rush for 300 yards a game? We're, we're going to stop that and force you to beat us. And the Yotes have beat the teams that they need to, uh, but they've squeaked it out kind of without the run game there sure. and they've been able to do that because of defense that's good yeah i mean and things were looking really really not really bleak it was only seven nothing but offensively it was really bleak against mm -hmm. north dakota and uh the second half was a whole different story and the last five minutes were just phenomenal i mean it wasn't pretty but it's kind of like the way iowa fans have been living the, and wisconsin yes. fans have yes. lived the last 10 years yes. or so it's it, to everybody else it looks ugly but if you're a fan of that team it, it, the, it's a close game. It's taking your breath away. It's cutting off your blood circulation, but you're <laughs> right. able to hold on. It's thrilling. Right. And that's kind of where USD's living right now. Nebraska was living that way until the last two weeks, and uh, now they just have no offense, and uh, and the defense falls apart when you when you don't have enough offense uh, <laughs> at, at all. And so I hope that doesn't happen to USD. I, 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 at this point, I want to jump in because, you know, frankly, for the last three seasons, this has been more – it's been a SDSU and USD podcast, but Zimmer covers the Jacks, and they've been the 
the 800-pound gorilla. They've been a top-five team and now the number-one team for a while, so we tend to lean that way. And um, I don't think USD fans in these seven or eight lost seasons would have really wanted to hear hear a deep dive right, anyway. Right. But now that we're, you know, now that, look, let's, uh, nine and one, uh, Coyote Eric, we always kind of lean on Coyote Eric when we want to, okay, let's let's fit in the USD <laughs> portion because neither Zim or I are watching play-for-play play every USD game. Uh, and so Coyote Eric's latest assessment, this is a, uh, I don't know if you know Eric Asmus. I do. Okay, yeah, I figured I you did. It's a small community there at USD. Uh, the, the He says, uh, the whole thing is really, uh, well, let me see, I'm going to go back to the right point. Uh, uh, let me go back to the right point to start here. Uh, all right, this is this past Tuesday. Okay, so his, let's go as to his UND assessment, the Coyote Eric report. Another tractor pull of a game. <laughs> good, that's a good description. It is. Uh, this team is certainly getting battle-tested and should be ready for playoff games that are down to the wire. The offense played fairly well, just could not have the fumble at the goal line, and the interception that Bauman threw was not a good throw on the jump ball. Defense only gave up three points all day. Not sure UND ever got into the red zone all day. Big maturity test this Saturday, of course, at Western Illinois uh, to see if they can block out the noise, just go win a game against a very bad team. Uh, so let's start there. I mean, that all seems pretty cut and dry, and I think all Yotes fans listening are, are going to nod their heads. Uh, what, 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 do you have the same concern against Western Illinois? No, I don't. I think they'll handle that business, and I think yeah. partially because Western Illinois just really isn't good. If they were Missouri State and had come up with a couple surprising wins, then you might think, well, they could catch us you know, falling asleep. But I don't think that'll be the case. At least if I'm coaching them, like, this is what my my uh, message would be to the team. It's let's not throw away what we've worked all season for, um, you know, by overlooking this opponent. Like we, we're, we, we're pretty much penciled in for a seed. So we know that we should have a bye week next week if we handle our business. So let's okay. not throw that away by, you know, overlooking them or, or letting them sneak up on us. Plus, if we are the team who we think we are, who we hope we are, you don't lose these types no. of games. You don't go limping into the playoffs, you know, with this type of, with those types of performances. So I think that, that message will resonate and they'll go out and finish them. You know, hopefully they go ahead and take care of that business and take care of it early. Now, I would give them that message, too. Like, man, let's go in this early. Let's play some of the young guys and get, you know, get some of the big guys out of there so we can have yeah. a nice long rest and, and get ready for the postseason. Let's do so. hammer and nail right away. Yep. That'd be the ideal thing. And yep. then you're probably, from your sense, so could they lose out on a top eight seed if they lose this game? Yes. Wow. Yep. Now, okay, okay, that's fine. No, no, for if they is there a case? You know, Coyote Eric said this, <laughs> and I was thinking the same thing, even before I received this message from him. Is well, what about the number two seat? Probably won't happen because Furman's there at number two. Um, but you look at SDSU. Uh, Furman's undefeated against FCS competition, and of course USD has one loss. But that's to the overwhelming number one team. Right. Uh, Montana currently has one FCS loss to a bad Northern Arizona team. Furman's strength of schedule is in the 60s. Montana's is in the 40s. USD's is, of course, about ninth. Uh, mm. it, it literally is ninth. So the ceiling is a number two seed. I thought the same thing, Andre. How can you not be the number two seed when you've won <laughs> all your games but against the the strong number one seed? Uh, 
you know. So I agree with that, and I didn't know those numbers as far as strength of schedule and, and all of that. That's why we have Kyle and Eric. There you go. And, yeah. And uh, so now hearing that, I would agree. However, this is how I also feel. I also feel that the committee is humans, <laughs> and they're going to value the um, the consistency of a Montana, Montana State. You know, and, and in this case, maybe Furman because they are undefeated, um, that they'll value that a little bit more and, and, and put those things above that strength of schedule. So as much as I could wish that the uh, Yos would get to the second seed, I don't think that that'll happen. Now, I do think they could still somehow end up on the opposite side of the bracket, which would be a benefit. Okay. And so that that would be a benefit yeah. because then obviously potentially you could have a South Dakota showdown in Frisco, which that would be, you know, I could roll over at that point because, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. would that be lovely. Yeah, I bet. Well, sure, yeah. Uh, or, or would it? I mean, you, you want to rematch with that after well, what happened to the Dome? Yeah, and that's the, that's the other thing. Like, I've got a chance to watch South Dakota State live three times this year. They are that good. You know, and it's coming from a coyote and coming from a, a coyote broadcaster. Like, they are that good. Um, they just don't seem to have weaknesses. Now, I didn't see the Montana State game where, you know, the catch in the end zone at the end, which could have lost the game, et cetera. But um, they just look solid on all fronts. And I'm not surprised um, because they got a lot of those six-year seniors. But, you know, I've also somebody pointed out on social media um, a couple weeks back too that, you know, SDSU has the same thing. Oh, excuse me. NDSU has the same thing. Like a lot of those seniors are six year seniors. Didn't matter this year. Right. So it just tells you the South Dakota State seniors are just that much better <laughs> right now as a unit than than the Bison. Mm. Uh, what were the other two games you saw live with SDSU? So uh, I did. I was in studio for. The Dakota Marker game. Yeah. Um, and then the I one. I saw you at Cubbies. We went to the game. Friends and I went to the game. We saw you there. Yep. And then uh, there was um, From one earlier in the season I watched. Um, I didn't watch it live. I watched it on Midco. I watched. Uh, I can't remember who they who it was. It was earlier in the season. Okay. And I was like, man, they, they are right. <laughs> well, yeah. They are right. So here's. Um, the what 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 makes them all right? I mean, it's just because they no weaknesses. Not like, that what, I've seen. Like, what right? is it? So, because so you know, going into some of those, I thought, all right, we know the run game is strong. We know the pass. Well, offensively, we know they're good. Right? They got great players all, at all the levels that can make the plays that that they make. So that's a given. I thought defensively, up front, they would was where their weaknesses were. I did. I also thought, well, you know, secondary. I know of a couple of those guys that, and they were really good last year. But, you know, if they get pressured, you know, couldn't they crack? Well, <laughs> first of all, I seen the defensive line do their job enough where I'm like, wow, okay, I underestimated them. They're actually pretty good. And then whenever the USD, like in the USD game, whenever they did test the secondary, they stepped up and answered the test. Dakota marker game whenever they tested the secondary stepped up and I'm like geez like they I don't know where the chink comes from unless they just fall asleep you know in, in the game <laughs> yeah they fall asleep in the game otherwise you just you're gonna have to 
you're going to have to go toe-to-toe and keep it close and hope that the bounces go your way. And so far, right, there hasn't even been a situation, at least that I've noticed, where they've been in a scenario where they needed luck or some right. good things to happen. But the teams they've played, that's the scenario. Like, oh. you're going to need some balls to bounce your way. You're going to need a fumble or something that's going to happen. You're going to have to make some type of, you know, splash play in order to – yeah. have a chance to beat them. Montana State was the closest that came, and that was early. That was probably a good time to catch the Jackrabbits. Uh, is theme that Zimmer and I harp on a lot when we drive it back to USD, and look, they're 9-1, and one, so I'm not going to say all problems are solved, but they're 9-1. and one. They're a top-five team in the country, so we're here. But, you know, in the past few years and moving forward, uh, both with getting fans to fill the Dakota Dome when it's not the Dakota Marker game or D-Days, uh, and also just to get more high-end recruits to stack together more than one good season at a time, which has been a struggle for Bob. Um, it feels like the, the toughest thing for USD, being USD, is you're just right you're just two hours from that thing up there in Brookings, and that can be that can be painfully hard mentally to to, uh, to compete against and to work against. And are are do you try to compete against that, or just try to be your own thing? Part of this is in-state recruiting as well. Is it we we chatted about this a couple weeks ago? It kind of seems like USD almost just defers. Like we know the Jackrabbits are going to get all, all the best high-end talent in this, most of the best high-end talent in the state. Augustana is going to doing a good job of cleaning up the ones that aren't that are kind of overlooked, and maybe the USD USD is just going to go where their coaches are from and go go where mm-hmm. their their pipelines are. Um, all that. How do you feel about all that? So there's three parts to that, and the okay. first part is um, let's talk about the attendance. Yes, let's do. Okay. So the first thing about the attendance is everybody complains about attendance, and and they're always going to look, you know, like. Whenever attendance is good, somebody's going to point that out. Whenever it's bad, somebody's going to point that out. Here's the things you got to understand about attendance. It all is circled around winning, right? Because I, I'm i on social, too. I pay attention a little bit, too, because of my job at Midco, et cetera. Um, the, they had great crowds in Brookings for the last few years. Well, the last five years, it's been a top four team, top four, Meaning they've been in the semifinal game the last, I think, five years. Because I'm going to just go ahead and say this one, right? <laughs> the last five years they've been in the top four or top two. Yeah. So when you have a team that good, of course, people are going to start to kind of rally and support. Now, they've only had a couple shutouts, I guess, recently. You know, they've only shut out. So well, I think they sell, uh, sold out. All the home games this year coming off of a nas- national. It took a national championship to be that for them to be consistently selling out. Correct, for sure. Same thing was the case in Fargo. Look at the attendance this year at Fargo home games. They're bored. They are not coming out to these games like they used to. They've seen the mountaintop. Yep, and and it's they either they seen the mountaintop or oh they're we're not that good this year. Mm-hmm. You know, quote air quotes, and so we don't support like we used to. It's going to take USD to have to have a couple of these type seasons in order for more and more fans to come consistently. Yeah. We see them come out for the big games. We know they can do it, but in order for them to be consistent, they're just going to have to have more of this. And until you get that, it's it's going to continue to be the same. So really 
really we should stop complaining about it because we say the same things. Yo, yo fans say the yeah. same things every year. Like, why we only come out for homecoming and stay? Well, that's because we've, we're average, you know, and, and we have to be above average in order for that to happen because look at the teams that are above average and they go through it, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like it's just the way it is. Yeah, it's just not uh, – I where is football a big deal? That's what I, what, what's the priority for the fans? It's apples to oranges, but Nebraska fans just grew up. Even the last this last generation, twenty five years since the national title, these kids don't kids, and I'm talking like people who are twenty five and thirty years old now. They didn't they didn't even get to watch national titles and c competing for national titles, and <laughs> right. still, it's like you're born in Nebraska, you're a Nebraska football fan, and the place is gonna sell out, and you're gonna care. And your, your pheasant opener isn't as big of a deal. You know, right, I mean, you're not right, going to skip exactly. a Nebraska game because you got to go shoot pheasants. Yep. It's just South Dakota is different. For both USD and SDSU, a football isn't quite the same priority. And it took a national championship to really get Jackrabbit fans to be like, this is it. We're Correct. about football on Saturdays in yep. the autumn. So it's never really been injected into your blood And when it comes to USD, as you mentioned a half hour ago, back when you played, if right. it's, unless it's D-Days or the Jackrabbit game. Yep. Yep. So that's fair. And, uh, of course, Vermillion's a small town. You're trying to get more people to come in from Sioux Falls or maybe Sioux Correct. City or now, Yankton. I will add to that, though, John. Yeah. That's a good point. Go ahead. I will add to that. I don't know who the city council person is for Vermillion or the mayor of Vermillion. But, you know, and, and look, I'm, I'm just – this is me just being a fan here. You could do a little better job of attracting businesses to Vermilion, which would grow the city, mm. right? Now, granted, because I was in school when Gateway showed up, Gateway Computers. In Sioux City. They, mm -hmm. they showed up in Sioux City, and then they also had a branch in Vermilion. You don't know how many, like, people who had administrative jobs at USD – Left those administrative jobs yeah. and took administrative jobs at Gateway. Obviously, they must have been paying more, right? Um, and then the city grew a lot in that particular time. And then, of course, you know, I was only there for five years. And then Gateway ended up leaving and closing right. down and things changed. But if you, if you can get a Dactronics, mm -hmm. you're going to attract people which grows the city which yeah. then makes it a little bit more attractive sure. right and so until you get that yeah brookings is going to look a little better to recruits that show up when, sure. it, when you're comparing both cities okay and so so we've we've addressed attendance and then it comes to in-state recruiting and yeah and anything part. else yeah <laughs> so the in-state recruiting part now now me being an alum and having kids i have a bunch of friends that i play with that have boys right that all want to yeah. play football at usd yes from our perspective, and the coaches can deny or whatever, and I don't think they really ever have, but from our perspective, USD for many, many years, and really up until last year, uh, only recruits bigs, meaning linemen, from the state of South Dakota, North Dakota, maybe Minnesota, right? Okay. <laughs> but they, they only recruit – They it, it, that our perception – because it could be wrong, because I'm sure somebody will point out all the, you know, they'll throw out some names. Of course, there's always one or two, and maybe they weren't recruited. Maybe they just decided to come. But they only recruit bigs. They never really went after skill position players in the state. They seemingly, to your point, just, you know, went and fished in Florida, went and fished in, you know, Georgia or somewhere down there. I and remember it, when Ed Meyercourt was a coach Wisconsin and Illinois that that seemed to be his territory mm -hmm. and his assistance mm -hmm. territory I, mean, I could be wrong but that's what it seemed like yep and so they only stayed and we we've 
complained and asked questions and why is that and why can't we why aren't we and I don't understand I don't know the philosophy behind it um, but it does seem like there was a philosophy behind it that for a long time was not bearing any fruit because our questions were like okay and literally I've had my buddies like we sat around on Fridays and Saturday nights right pulling up rosters and like here's NDSU's roster his state's roster here's our roster look at all the South Dakota North Dakota Minnesota kids on these two rosters that are kicking our butt you know and so we had those conversations and uh, it you know it, we wouldn't have cared or wouldn't have been such a big deal had we been winning more games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's always come back to winning uh -huh. because now that we're winning, it's like, oh, okay, I see we are doing a little bit more recruiting. Now, I do think maybe Josh Davis has a lot to do with that coming from South Dakota State. Now, all of a sudden, we've gotten some skilled guys that are being recruited and skilled guys that are committing to USD. You're getting, so, you're getting some starts here. Yeah. Draven Hodge from Lincoln. Correct. I don't yep. know how good of an FCS running back he'll be, but – the big, strong kid. Yep. State and, title team. And even if he doesn't, I mean, the, just the look of, of having him commit to us as a Sioux Falls skilled player is a big deal. Got to start somewhere. Not going to say any names or throw out any names, but there's been players where there was no, from from the player's perspective, from the player's perspective and from the parents and people surrounding that player, there was no presence of the Coyotes in in that player's recruitment, and you're like, why? Like, even just if even if you know you're not, just throw your hat out there anyway, or just make it seem like it at least, you know, to seem like you're competing. And then he had a choice, but if you're not even trying, then of course there won't be a choice, you know. Does it feel like the staff is trying harder, or might? I think so. Okay. Yep, I do think so. All right. Because uh, Zimmer, we had, the, again, this discussion two, three weeks ago, and he said, you know, Matt's co Matt covers high school games every week, sometimes two or three of them, and often he's on the sidelines taking pictures, and so he sees who's around, and mm -hmm. he sees Jackrabbit coaches there, he sees Augie coaches there, and now Coach Go, Coach Go at USF is here. He's trying to make more of a presence, and he's still not seeing. I don't know about this year, but, you know, the past years, like you're not even seeing, you don't see any coyote gear around. Right, when it comes right. to coaches lingering and hanging out on a Friday night at these Sioux Falls games, but uh, that could that could dovetail us into high school. Since your kid plays for Jefferson, was part of the state title team last year, and you and I did three state title games this past weekend. Uh, man, okay, uh, brought it up a couple times, Lincoln. Best ever? Like, is this the best South Dakota <laughs> high school team you've seen around so here? So that's, you know, that's that's what everybody's uh, throwing out lately. And obviously, as a Jefferson parent, I'm like, well, I, I think last year's team got something to say about the ever part. I do think they were the best this year, clearly, head and shoulders. Yeah. Um, if you want to compare the numbers, yes. Um, and just to, to stir the pot a little bit amongst amongst Sioux Falls people, like there's a lot of parents, you know, I'm in those stands, so there's a lot of parents that I hear, you know, saying things like, well, is you know, uh, Schaefer to Smith threw a lot of touchdowns in, in the fourth quarter, right? And so that's kind of a shot, right, or a dig at them basically saying like, why are they in? It's 49 to nothing, you know, that type of thing. So that's where they, they defend their, their – uh, their points records and things like that. But okay. I, I do think both teams uh, were 
extremely dominant. Like it was, it wasn't close. Like last year with Jefferson had that run, it wasn't close. They didn't have one close game. Lincoln did have one close game, and it was in the semifinals. Against Correct. As far yep, as I recall, yep. Jefferson did not have a close game. They even they they, blew, they had blowout wins. They blew out Lincoln thirty to thirteen in the semifinal. That never felt like a game, as far as I recall. It's been a while. And then state title game against Harrisburg was just a, a wipeout, as far as I recall. Yeah, so that, that those, Lincoln you know, those types of challenge. things. And, you know, in the Lincoln, sure, I'm sure the Lincoln crowd would say, well, if they were up, what, 21 nothing in that game, and then maybe yeah. took their foot off the gas and allowed them to come back, and then they had to finish. Yeah. So, you know, so you Could give them be. that credit, too. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's going to be a, a nice little debate for some years to come. Okay. Like, what do you take, 2022 Jefferson or 2023 Lincoln? Like, if they played each other, what would happen? God, that'd be great, wouldn't it? It would. Uh, what is what what is the convincing wins? The common denominator of Lincoln, Pier, and Del Rabbits. Pier's won seven in a row. Dell's just won back to back. They won in blowout fashion in their state championship games, uh, and you know the the two of us were calling those three games, and unfortunately neither of them were that exciting uh, but it was impressive what's a common denominator of these high school teams that just ruled the roost man that's a really good question because there's differences with all of them in this it, well I would say they're the common denominator but for me with Peer and Lincoln would be senior leadership I think they had a lot of older guys who been there, done that, and yeah. and and really just walked it all the way home um, with Dale Rapids. Um, I was just overly impressed with Henry and Stuby. Like those two guys were kind of like, we're, we run this, <laughs> you know. Like they, those two guys kind of ran that Sometimes show. Sometimes it's all it takes. You know exactly. And so yeah, that that would be the answer to that one. It'll be interesting to see. You know, obviously seven in a row, right? We expect Pierre to reload. Like I'm sure the the kids grow up idolizing that program now, so they're already probably doing some of the workouts and things like that that the I mean, high schools they, need. They lost a thirteen thousand yard passer that's at Ohio State right now, and they didn't really miss a beat. They're, right? They they're exactly. Games, they had a couple games that were close, but for the most part, and Brandon Valley beat them for what that's worth. That's triple A to double A, but still, I mean, they just. They, they look proud of And powerful. you know what? That, to me, though, that's the part where – because you're always trying to find the standard and meet it, right? And so the other double-eight schools are looking at Pierre like, we, how do we compete with that? What do we have to do to match that? Where Pierre, you can always – like, obviously, the coaches out there what, – what's the coach's name again? Steele? Is that Steve Steele. Yeah, he obviously you know knows what he's doing, right? You win seven in a row, but I'm sure he could always. It's always good for coaches to have that when you're really good at something, but to have something that you can always point out as of reason to get better. That mm. Brandon lost. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? We're not you gotta there. Find Fellas, we're not there. You gotta yet. find something. You know, until yeah. we can whoop these type of teams as well, we're not there yet. And so that'll drive them in the offseason to, to repeat. Yeah. All right. We're headed down to the final stretch. <laughs> I really appreciate your time. I hope you haven't had lost any linemen potential. No, not not yet. I, during this that's time, best recording. I haven't had Don't any take messages away yet from your job. Uh, but um, the. Yeah, what's and I want to get to Michigan and Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah, of course. 
it just your feeling about the you played in Chicago, man. I mean, and but you've been around South Dakota, and your kid plays high school football here now. What what are you? Your, your thoughts on the South Dakota high school football landscape in general? That's a good. I'm glad you asked. Uh, you know, I haven't really talked much about that. I guess maybe publicly, um, but I do think it's changing. It's definitely getting better and it's growing. I think everybody's starting to notice that. For a long for a long time, it was non-existent. Right? Other states looked at us as D two talent, and then it began to grow uh, with the. Uh, Farniacs, you know, they, they had three boys all go big time. And then um, Nate Gary and some of the other ones, uh, the other linebacker from Washington who ended up mm. in Nebraska. Uh, Kapai. Yep, Randolph Kapai. So you had these guys that started to spread the wealth a little bit and, and push it out a little bit. And uh, yeah. we got a guy over here at the other table, Lincoln Keenels. Yeah, we brought him yep. up. Yeah, we, yeah. Well, we see, so that's what I'm saying. So yeah, I think those Incredible. guys that set that tone kind of opened some eyes where other big time places were like, "Wait a minute, where? How are they getting these little? Where from? Yo?" And then so they're starting to put eyes on us. And then of course Lincoln now will also be, you know, no disrespect to Grant Schmidt, who who was an Ohio State kid out of Roosevelt, oh, yeah. I think like ten years ago okay. or something like a long time ago. But mm -hmm. I do remember that name um, because. Urban Meyer came to Roosevelt to recruit him, you know, and and um, wow, but uh, and I don't, I think I don't know if it's necessarily worked out. I think he ended up transferring to a couple of different schools. Yeah. But anyway, I I do think the landscape. Now he was a big man too, right? So what I'm saying is, I think we've expanded. I think our our national footprint, as far as being talented, is going to continue to slowly creep up. Not take off like where we're going to have a bunch of them, right? But we're going to still have one or two, I think, every year or every couple of years that that keep us on the map. No kidding. And uh, I actually had a friend who's a Husker fan. Uh, he's in Springfield, Missouri. He's a Lincoln born and bred guy, but he spent a lot of time in radio. I knew him, and he was a sales manager at the radio station I was at in Sioux Falls. Just a diehard Husker fan. He sent me a Lincoln Keenholz like TikTok video on <laughs> Facebook. He's like, who is this kid? I never heard of this kid. He's been, he threw for 13,000 yards in South Dakota and he's at Ohio State. How the hell did he get to Ohio State? Oh my, is he that good? And I'm like, right. and I said, uh, two words, Curtis Riggs. Because Kalen DeBoer is the coach at Washington mm -hmm. and of course, Curtis is still his best friend and this is how this is, you know, I'm sure Kalen asked Curtis who, who, who do you got there? And, right. and Chris is like, well, we got this kid who throws, throws for like a zillion yards and has a cannon arm and super athletic, can, can, can run all over the place like a video game. And <laughs> right. I, I, I don't even know if this is how it went. Just guessing. And Kaylee goes, yeah, that looks pretty good. Yeah, we'll recruit him. And then they, then they, he committed. And then once he did, Ohio, somebody at Ohio State's smart enough to figure out that. Kalen DeBoer is a pretty good coach. Uh, Washington's already really good with him as the head coach. Yep. Knows quarterbacks. So, and yes. And so, yep. uh, oh, and then they look at they look at the film. And well, you know, no, you know what they did. What they, did they do? Well, they I'm, brought him in for a visit. Oh, just yeah. come in for a visit. Yeah. We, no, no, right. we don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no pressure. Just come in for a visit. To the Michigan Ohio State game. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, come on. And then there's come on. And then you can and then you can <laughs> offer kids money these days. And it was game right. set and match. That's exactly. how a kid from Pierre ends up at Ohio State. Uh, and that's where I dovetailed to Curtis. Like, um, y you know, 
I, I, I can't have Andre Fields on the podcast without asking like your favorite Curtis Riggs story. Playing for him, coaching oh. with him. There's a bunch of them. I mean, there's got to probably be one better. But uh, <laughs> I do remember one time as a player, he comes in, he's like, you know, gets us quiet, giving us our little post-game speech, you know, and he's like, look, I'm not going to cuss. You know, I, I've, I've uh, moved, I'm, I'm going to try to stop cussing, basically. It's like I'm, I, I, I've, I've watched a video that somebody took of me saying this the last time, and it was vulgar, and so I'm not going to cuss. <laughs> But guys, we got to do this and we got to do that and we need to get better and this, 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 and this, and this. And before the end, he's like, and you effing guys need to just figure out. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What happens to the I'm not going to cuss? He's like, well, forget that. You know? So I never forget that one because that was funny. Cause he did was, he say he was forget genuine. or did he say he was, something else? No, he said, he said something else. He was genuine in the beginning, but then as he kept going, it, it went right out the window and went like, yep. That's what we expect. It's interesting because we had him on a few months ago and asked him uh, once he stepped right after he stepped down from the storm, and we, you know, he's coached at all. He's high school, college, and the, obviously the pros. What's like? What's the biggest difference? And he said cursing. <laughs> he, he's like you can't really you can't. You're not, or at least when he coached at Roosevelt in the two thousands and at USF, you know, a nice right. Baptist school. Yep, you can't, yep. Bob Young before him, uh, but like you know, pros. These oh, are I will grown say men. This. I'll share this, John. He said cursing was the big difference. I thought I, I was fi- I was figuring some other big worldly <laughs> type of explanation. Either a common thread or the biggest difference, and he goes right to cursing. Huh. Well, not football surprised. is football, but cursing is different. I say uh, this though: he, the, as much as, and I know everybody who's been in the storm game has seen him cuss out referees. Uh-huh. Like he's he's the Bobby Knight of it. Like he goes for the jugular, says the worst things, yeah. gets. I mean, goes really hard at him. And you know what? They never flag him. <laughs> we talked about this last year during the season. I'm like, dude, I don't. He'll even come off sometimes to be like, yeah, I don't know how I didn't get a flag right there. Like I was going for the, I was going for the flag and they didn't throw it. And I'll say something like, he was, he was going how, for it, ref. How we didn't see that? And they'd be like, coach, relax. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like he can cuss you out and talk bad, and you will not even think about flagging him. If I say two words, you're like. Holding on to their flag like a quick draw, like they're ready to just. <laughs> He's getting the Michael Jordan shoot. treatment. There you go. He's getting That's the Michael it. Jordan That's uh, ref treatment. That or his owner, I don't know. Well, former owner Todd Tryon. I don't. Well, but Todd wasn't. Todd had to absolve himself from being the owner when he became the commissioner of the right, league. Yep. Whatever. <laughs> Michael Jordan treatment as head coach. All right, we probably don't have to do this, but I said we would because um, everybody's talking about Jim Harbaugh. So, I mean, what else is there to say beyond what everybody <laughs> has heard or said? But you did, you're in Chicago. You've told me in Chicago if you liked college football, you're either a Michigan or Notre Dame fan. You're yep. Michigan. Obviously, these are high times here. They look like a legitimate national title contender, and we all know what Harbaugh is embroiled in and the fact that they go to Penn State win without him convincingly. Now there's Maryland who tried their best to say, here, Nebraska, here, just take it, just beat us. <laughs> here it is, silver platter, and Nebraska couldn't do couldn't it. Couldn't do it. Uh, 
but you know, Maryland's a bulgeable team that could. You know, I think this is in Maryland, right? Correct. Uh, and then you got the big. Then you got Ohio State coming to the big house. What do you make of? But anyway, what do you make of all this? I mean, are you on Harbaugh's side, or are you kind of like, okay, everybody cheats, but he really, I mean, he took this to another level, or do you think he's, uh, you know, kind of uh, a martyr here, falling on the sword? Um, both. All and none. Okay. So, right? So, my thoughts are this. And, yes, you've said it, but I'll preface these statements by just reminding the listeners I'm a huge Michigan fan. Right. Okay? Uh, I do think that everyone does the sign stealing. Ironically enough, today, sitting in my storm office, I opened a folder and I found a sheet that had our defenses drawn out that I remember finding on the field in Frisco, Texas, when we were going to do our walkthrough prior to playing that game. So they had drawn out not just what we do and where our defenders line up, but they had drawn out pictures of our hand signals of what those calls meant, right? So teams do this, like steal signs, get signs. I mean, it's called scouting. That's my opinion of it. The whole, every you know, somebody listens like, yes, but he went – to another level with it. He went beyond. Yeah, the, the most hard. common analogy is we all speed. We all go 75 in the 65, but he's in a Maserati going 95. Correct, right? Yeah, you got to pull him over. My thing is, um, if you're, and so if you're a race car driver in that scenario, you might be like, okay, well, what? still, I don't get it. He's in, you know, he's in a fast car. Hmm. If you're a football guy, in this, you know what you're saying? Well, you still got to go out and execute it. You still got to go out and beat it. What's the difference from me lining up and saying we're about to run power right here in this hole and we do it? You still have to stop me from doing it. If you, you know, the sign still is not going to give me an advantage. Okay, but side note. All right, so let me shelf that. I do think it's kind of a witch hunt on Michigan because they realize that, oh, this could be, this really could be their year. Last year they messed it up by losing to TCU, but they probably wouldn't have beat Georgia anyway. They have the type of team, maybe they can compete with the Georgia this year, but we just don't want Jim to get it because Jim is an a hole. Jim is weird. Jim is, yes, that guy. Like, the whole America's team speech was cringy to me, and I'm a fan. <laughs> and so I get it. I do, but I do feel like there's a lot of people that just don't want Jim to succeed um, because he rust, he rubs feathers the wrong way, man. Yeah. And everybody, even the guys probably in his building, some not his oh, yeah. the football guys, but the like school people yep. are probably just like, oh, we don't like Jim either, you know. And so I could, I just think everybody's trying to get Jim, and they don't want him to get it this year because this is the best chance at getting it done and I, I find that part to be a little disappointing because we've done this before but I don't know if it's ever been to this extent like Cam Newton went through a whole scandal the year they won a national championship and he won the Heisman Trophy and it was well they school gave him a hundred thousand dollars that you know and they went through that whole scandal and they won the national title and they still got they still got it done right and so I hope that's the scenario that Michigan falls on and then people can just move on or whatever, but it seemed like they really just don't want them to have it. I'm guessing as a Michigan fan, because they haven't won a national title since they fraudulently oh, shared see, with Nebraska. There we go. Now we, 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 could, we could spend an hour on that. 
Uh, I just thought I'd twist the knife yep, there. Miss yep. is 97. That's Nebraska's last national title as well. I just wanted to well. make sure you said 97 because if you would have went back further and not acknowledged it, we would have had a longer no, podcast. No, no. But, I mean, they, I mean Nebraska would have won that game if they would have actually played. <laughs> oh. But, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, th- th- that uh, if if Michigan wins it all, I'm getting guesses as a Michigan fan, you won't feel like this is tainted at all. This will be just as sweet and uh, screw everybody. And you know what? Because because of two reasons. One, you still have to play. Like I said, you still got to play the game. Yeah. You still got to play the game. So if if and if and if knowing the sign is gives you that big of an advantage, then what are we watching film yeah. for and all of that? You know, like. Yeah. That's the whole point of all of that. So, no, it won't be tainted to me at all. Like, Feinbaum can do that. We know he's a, a SEC homer anyway. He just wants to right. stir the pot. Of course. So, no. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Not for me. Andre, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you. John. I appreciate it. It was a good, good day. It was. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Yes. Yeah.